Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello, welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. I'm not joined by Crit this week. However, I was able to uh, travel the multiverse and find a friend of the show, uh, my co-host on Fandom University, Sean Hamill. Say hello. Hello. Sean has been a, a D&D player uh, just about as long as I have. And uh, is currently, uh, it's the campaign itself is on hiatus due to um, like school and, and different schedules, but we're hoping to pick back up here in the summer uh, in a Curse of Straw campaign with our group of friends. And it's, it's very fun and very exciting, but I asked them to, uh, to guest host with, uh, with me this week as we dive into Vecna. We, uh, I was thinking, I, I was thinking that it'll be one week it'll be one show one week um but there's there's too much there's absolute for a character as large as this we're going to need two episodes and so what we're going to cover this week is the um like the origins of vecna the, uh, the, the early lore um, through original dungeons and dragons through first and second editions and then uh next week we'll cover uh, third and 3.5, fourth and fifth editions, including his uh, including his appearance in Critical Role, which I guess now that um, you know, uh, Wildemount, the Explorer's Guide to Wildemount, has been published by Wizards, and also Call of the Netherdeep Adventure has been published by Wizards. I would guess that now Exandria lore is is somewhat canon, as if you know, if we're going in the multiverse. Uh, manner of, of, of things it's almost like their their homebrew or their fanfic kind of ends up becoming part of the thread of the main story or the main world well i mean with this sort of uh focus on the multiverse especially now that Spelljammer has been officially announced uh and can act as a way to move from one camp from you know from forgotten realms to uh, to Exandria or from uh, Ravenloft to uh, Ravnica. You know, this uh, Exandria, for all intents and purposes, could become part of the official D&D multiverse if it hasn't already. So in Spelljammers, and stop me if anything I'm saying is just too damn basic for your listeners uh, because I'm pretty basic. So 
it's a basically a sci-fi setting for D&D, right? Or it's like dragons pulling spaceships essentially, right? Like it's it's still based in fantasy, but it is travel through outer space, correct? Or is it travel through dimensional space or both? Uh, it's uh well it's not like outer space as you and I know it. It's it's uh, sort of like a dimensional space, but but we will we will definitely get to Spelljammer very oh, soon. Sorry. <laughs> oh no worries. Yeah, like yeah, it's 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 like that for me. You you start talking about one thing and then something else comes up and you fall down that rabbit hole and then you end up talking about something else entirely for two or three hours. But Vecna is cool because his story has changed so uh, dramatically and has evolved throughout uh, D&D's history. So Vecna is actually an anagram of the word or the name Vance, as in Jack Vance, who is the author of The Dying Earth and The Eyes of the Overworld, among others, among other books. Now, these books heavily inspired D&D's magic system. And so, you know, uh, the early D&D games, as we talked about in episode 100 with, uh, with Tensor, uh, is uh, an anagram of Ernest, which is uh, you know, Gary Gygax's son's name. Very, uh, they, they love their anagrams. They love, so Vecna is an anagram of Vance. It, the Vecna's name first appears in the original Dungeons and Dragons supplement, Eldritch Wizardry, and was created by Brian Bloom. So nothing is said of the lore beyond Vecna was a lich who met his doom. They're, they simply exist as magic items. And to me, that's sort of like, that's one of the cool things about D&D is you have these almost sort of, not like throwaway items, but just sort of like, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to create these two magic items. Like I'm Brian Bloom. I'm going to create these two magic items, give them a name. And then, then all this lore pops up as a result of it. Yeah, that's one of the nice things about these. Um, it's one of the blessings of the shared universe setting, right? Like the, you could say the same about Star Wars or Marvel Comics or anything like that. Like how much hay they're able to make out of just a throwaway line in an early, you know, issue of Fantastic Four. Suddenly, you know, you've got an entire, you know, uh, mini series or maxi series based on that throwaway bit that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby had in the early 60s. You know, Roy Thomas somehow spins that thread out into a year's worth of stories 20 years later. Um, or like you said, like Star Wars, uh, like, oh, I fought with your father during the Clone Wars. That one right. little line, you know, ignited a thousand imaginations. And like very similarly, like these two items have now given birth to uh, one of D&D's greatest villains, like, you know, a top five greatest villains on just about any, any list that you'll find online and is, you know, so big that uh, they're probably going to make an appearance in a, in a very popular Netflix TV show uh, coming up uh, uh, this month, actually. So, you know, uh, Vecna is going to be making uh, his TV debut and I'm here for it. Yeah, that is super exciting. So the Hand of Vecna, as written in this uh, original D&D supplement, Eldritch Wizardry, says uh, it appears to be a dried, shriveled, and blackened hand, such as could have been caused by having been burned. 
the hand, and it is also rumored in dark passageways, an eye, is the sole remains of an ancient lich who was so powerful that he was able to imbue his hand with wondrous slash horrible powers and to enable it to survive even after his long undead body had ceased to exist. Uh, and then it goes on to describe like what kind of powers the uh, the hand will give the the wear, the wearer or the, the the wielder. The eye of Vecna reads as follows: It is also said, but not in the hearing of strangers, that when the mighty lich Vecna finally met his doom, that one of his eyes survived along with his hand. The eye may or may not have originally belonged to Vecna as it is said to glitter much in the same manner as the eye of a feline. If the eye is pressed into the empty socket of a human head, it grafts itself to the head of the user and gives him remarkable powers. So, and, and that's it. You know, that's, you know, that's as, that's as much lore as you get. Uh, you know that Vecna was a, a powerful wizard or some sort of ancient lich. And that's, you know, as far as lore goes, that doesn't, we don't really get into the lore until advanced D&D, until first edition. So the eye and hand of Vecna owe a lot of inspiration to Michael Moorcock and his eternal champion books about his character, Coram. So in these books, Coram is captured by humans who torture him by plucking out his left eye and chopping out his left hand, you know, fun stuff, you know, like yeah, you know, run of the mill, you know, like run of the mill POW stuff. Right. Uh, he survives and escapes and is eventually gifted by a sorcerer two artifacts, the hand of quill and the eye of Rin. Each of these comes from a, from a God brothers. In fact, uh, the eye expands Quorum's senses and allows him to see into other planes. The hand, on the other, on the other hand, <laughs> grants Quorum increased strength and stamina, but also allows him to summon creatures from those planes that the eye allows him to see into. And so, um, you know, whoever those creatures, uh, so he, he he calls in these creatures to to aid him in battle, to assist him in battle. Whoever those creatures uh, then kill are pretty much placed at Coram's beck and call. Like he's able to like uh, control them. Uh, however, he can't. What he can't control is is the two magic items, and so not outright at least. And so the eye he sees things that he'd rather not see, um, and the hand he he fights things that he'd rather not fight. And some of the uh, summoned creatures kill people that quorum would rather not be dead and so it's sort of a blessing and a curse and so he eventually is able to reunite the severed body parts to their respective gods to quill and to rin uh in exchange for some help against uh the fight against some chaos god you know like typical like fantasy stuff like I'll, i'll give you your eye back you know god if you help me fight this other god who has gone mad um so yeah you like i said like Typical, like awesome fantasy stuff. Like that's what right, right. that's why we love fantasy because of stuff like that. So this this Michael Moorcock character, Coram. What um, do you know the 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 series or the books that? Because I, I've read a little bit of Moorcock. I haven't read anything with this character though. I've mostly read um, the Elric series, uh, Eternal Champion. Oh, okay. 
uh, writing this down to read <laughs> because that uh, does sound badass. Oh, that's that's the actual name of the novel. Okay, the Eternal Champion. Sweet. And so, like I said, like it's um, this stuff is you know like the original items are somewhat inspired by this, but we don't really get into Vecna as a character, like I said, until Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And there's really uh, there's three different adventures that flesh out this character. It's known as the Vecna trilogy. Vecna lives. Vecna reborn and die Vecna die which if I like if I released any trilogy of anything like it would probably have like it would be probably be named that like Sergio lives Sergio reborn (laughs) die Sergio die just the the coolest like trio of names ever I think it's very very archetypal right in fact didn't even Darkman 3 steal that uh die Darkman die die. yeah yeah so like it it's definitely like Another cool thing about D&D um, is just seeing the layers of influence, right? Like the the Michael Moorcock or the Jack Vance of it all, which becomes the D&D of it all, which in turn like blows up into, you know, comic books and, and movies and all sorts of other stuff that we love and had no idea about or uh, a certain high rated Netflix series, for example. No, yeah, it's it's cool. Like, you know, you get some stuff that's that influences D&D and then that influences and then D&D influences something else and so you know obviously D&D has a ton of influence on uh, is influenced by Tolkien by Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy however I would argue that um, like the Elder Scrolls video games are more influenced by D&D than they are Tolkien I like would, more, yeah. more directly influenced yeah, 100% agree with that. Well, it's, I, I mean, I know part of what makes D&D so amazing is its flexibility, right? Its ability to do all sorts of different genres and styles of storytelling. Um, but it definitely does seem like it's a little, at least at the levels I've played, and granted, I've never played a high level character. So, but it seems to me like it, it, it does lean a little more into the sword and sorcery of it all, at least at the lower levels. Um, and that may persist into the higher levels, I guess, depending on the adventures that you're going through or whatever. But the fact that it's Michael Moorcock, you know, influencing this particular character, Michael Moorcock, I think is the one who coined the term sword and sorcery. I might be wrong about that. Um, I don't know. Just seemed interesting, Thought worth bringing up. Well, the, the Vecna trilogy is definitely, you've definitely got your dungeon crawls. You've definitely got your, you know, typical D&D uh, like tropes, uh, but there's also some like some terror, some horror aspects to it, because you're dealing with uh, with essentially uh, a undead wizard, hell bent on ruling the multiverse, <laughs> and so you know your basic bastard sword isn't going to take him down, right? So uh, we start off with Vecna lives. So the story, it, and that's where Vecna's story really gets fleshed out. So Vecna, it says Vecna is very much a figure of mystery. He dates back to a time of near prehistory in Greyhawk. This is also a, a great point to make is that this, he started off uh, much like Mordekainen, much like you know, a lot of these you know, old characters, 
as as Greyhawk characters from that campaign setting, and uh, through through these adventures, end up ends up finding himself in Ravenloft and in Planescape, and um, but he originally starts off as a Greyhawk character. Um, so he dates back to a time of near prehistory in Greyhawk, before the migrations, before the wars between Sewell and Bakirish, perhaps even before the ascendancy of the Suilis empire itself. He is a figure more of legend than fact. And like all legends, there are embellishments and exaggerations, distortions, contradictions, and confusions attached to his name. So let's get into what we know about Vecna. From the loneliest chamber of a black tower, he ruled over a now forgotten nation. Uh, he was considered the mightiest of all wizards, unsurpassed in his knowledge of all the arcane arts. However, even in life, Vecna's strictness and cruelty were infamous. He built this, this great kingdom that he ruled. He built it based on his wizardly skills combined with his fiendish cruelty. You know, some tales claim that he bred entire villages like cattle just so that he could keep foul laboratories supplied with subjects for his experiments. Uh, so not the, not the, not the most chill guy, <laughs> but, you know, as powerful as Vecna was, you know, father time is undefeated and eventually Vecna grows old and gets closer to death. But like Bob Dylan, or if you want to get um, even more, uh, I guess, literary hipster with it, Dylan Thomas, Vecna raged against the light. <laughs> Or the dying uh, of the light. The rage against the dying of the light. So, quote, he was determined not to die and in his and in his conceit came to believe immortality was not merely possible, but was his right. So no one is sure what happened next. Did Vecna confront his own death somehow and trap it, which allowed him to live forever? Did his audacity offend the gods, which who then forced Vecna to exist somewhere between death and life? However, many believe Vecna discovered the secret magic of life and thus transformed himself into the most powerful of liches. So his power grows and grows even as his body's withering and decaying. He becomes even more feared throughout the realm. I mean, if you thought, you know, that he inspired fear before just as like a regular, you know, source of regular wizard, well, yeah, you know, yeah, he's a, he's a great a jerk, but he's just a wizard. Now he's like, you're like, that guy should have been dead a long time ago. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he's now, he, can, he becomes even more feared throughout the realm. Uh, some of his, monikers the whispered one the master of the spider throne the undying king the lord of the rotted tower these are all badass nicknames <laughs> they really are, they are i gotta like, I, like <laughs> I mean like i gotta say like as far as nicknames go like like villains really take the cake oh yeah no heroes never have great like the villains always have the the more evocative names right that you know it's it's interesting uh, this idea too about the dark magic sort of sustaining but also ravaging the body they kind of um well whether they 
it, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that it had inspired. There was a Star Wars comic in the early 90s when they were first starting to do EU stuff called Dark Empire. And in that comic book, it turns out the emperor has been resurrected, but he has to keep moving from clone body to clone body because um, use of the dark side, that intense basically warped and desiccated his flesh so like he wasn't nearly as old as he looked when you saw him in return of the jedi it was the original you know it was just like he was like using the hard stuff no yeah and and this is exactly like you know uh becoming like becoming and in becoming a lich and then maintaining your lichness i guess uh (laughs) is is definitely uh like i said his his body was decaying and uh, like you know, in most representations, he's nothing but a you know pretty much a skeleton, and like most artistic representations of Vecna, he eventually enlists uh, cast the Bloody Handed to essentially act as his right hand man. Uh, an ironic title, if there ever was one, considering uh, what how how that friendship ends, uh, oh. Vecna and Cass's friendship, or at least uh, working relationship. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so Cass represents Vecna's physical might, and as such, uh, he needs a weapon that is worthy of such an occupation. Uh, so Lord tells us of the sword of Cass, because apparently as, uh, as powerful as Vecna is, you know, he's not great at naming things. <laughs> uh, but it is a plus three sentient longsword, which was carved out by Vecna from the iron of a frozen star and forged in the flames in flames stolen from the sun. However, the evil that is poured into this sword by Vecna, you know, uh, coupled with its sentience, essentially proves to be the arch lich's undoing. The sword begins whispering to Cass, you are the true ruler of all the lands. And Cass soon begins to believe what the sword is telling him. And betrays Vecna. Cass betrays Vecna. The mega powers explode. And so no one, uh, no one knows exactly how the battle went down. All that we know is that when all was said and done, Vecna's tower was reduced to ruin, to rubble. Cass is gone. Uh, his sword is left, but he is nowhere to be found. So the sword of Cass remains. Vecna is also gone. But all that remains of uh, and all that remains of him are his left eye and his left hand that were you know, plucked out and severed in the battle with Cass. So his right-hand man ends up cutting off Vecna's left hand. That's, so, um, poetry, you know. Yeah, po- poetic poetry if, takes many forms. Poetic if, if I ever, if I ever, if I ever, if I ever heard a poem. I've never... <laughs> So the three artifacts, uh, the latter two in particular, the eye and the hand of Vecna, uh, they spend the next few centuries popping up across the lands, each time bringing woe, uh, you know, with themselves. So uh, gradually throughout the centuries, Vecna's cult grows and grows in power enough to where essentially Vecna was, um, was being accepted as a minor demigod in the legions of evil. However, Vecna remains unsatisfied and wishes to become the greatest of all deities. And he has, uh, and so in Vecna Lives, the adventure essentially, he has hatched this fiendish plot, uh, which essentially would cut off every other god from their followers and from their worshipers. 
And so in this power vacuum, Vecna plans to, because he's the only one receiving worship, so he's the only one receiving power. In this power vacuum, Vecna plans to ascend to greater godhood and humble his rival deities. But he needs that eye, he needs that hand back. And that's where the that's where the player characters come in. So that's Vecna lives. Vecna reborn comes as comes on the heels of that adventure. It's the second of the Vecna trilogy and injects the now renamed cast of destroyer back into the fray as he and Vecna continue their battle. This time, though, as dark lords of their own domains of dread. Now, if you remember from a few months back, we covered, you know, during our Ravenloft series, we covered Domains of Dread. And so you can definitely listen back to those episodes to, you know, get back up to speed or if you if you miss them. Um, but Kaz has his Domain of Dread. Vecna has his Domain of Dread. And they're essentially smacked up against each other. And they're always at they're always in the middle of some kind of conflict. It's just like the Roxbury guys is bumping up against. Is bumping up against each other. Uh, Vecna uh, is a dark lord of Covidius, while Cass subjugates Tovag. These are both islands of terrors that have crashed into each other, and as a result, um, there is a uh, like a uh, a mountain range of volcanoes in between them. From the you know from the like the literal crashing of of land, <laughs> right. uh, and those form the burning peaks. Huh. And so in Vecna Reborn, the, the plot is that Vecna is essentially trying to escape the, the domain, his domain of dread, which um, has, has happened. If, like I said, we've talked about it. We talked about it in our Ravenloft series has happened before, but uh, is very hard to do. It's very hard for a dark Lord to escape their domain of dread. However, he is a minor demigod at this point. And so uh, a, do- the, a domain of dread hasn't been able to ensnare a demigod for too long. And so the plot of this adventure is to keep Vecna from achieving that goal. And what's cool about this is because um, the, the adventure, like the, the level itself, it's pretty low level. I, don't, I think it's like from three to 10th. That is pretty low level. And so obviously like a, a character like Vecna would easily destroy your know, characters that low. So really the, the, the point of the game is to try to avoid direct interaction with Vecna and instead like, you know, be wily about it and be, use, you know, strategy to, to enact your goal of preventing him from escaping all the while trying to avoid him altogether. <laughs> That's interesting that it, that, that definitely feels like sword and sorcery type stuff, which tends to deal with characters who are a little lower on the power spectrum going up against uh, more characters that are almost more Lovecraftian in some ways, like at least in the old Conan stories. So that, you know, like he encounters a lot of gods for a guy who runs around without a shirt. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, like so furry that, underwear. That, yeah. So that's a, that's a pretty genius way of um, keeping that character in the narrative while also letting lower level characters, like keeping the stakes high, but doable for 
lower level characters. That's really smart. Oh, absolutely. And so uh, we're going to hit up the middle of the show and then we'll come back to discuss the final uh, part of the trilogy, Die Vecna Die. And we'll also be uh, talking our magic item of the week. Hello, welcome to the middle of the show. We use this portion to uh, thank our patrons, discuss any um, D&D news, uh, any, any minis that may have been released, and also uh, spotlight something that is on the DMs Guild. So let's go ahead and get started. want to thank all of our patrons, including uh, Bjorn Ironside, the Dog Indie, Coffee Bean, the Husky, Daniel P, Wolf the Sheepdog, Tex Tinstar, and Remington Cloutier. Thank you so much for uh, financially supporting the show. If you are in a position where you are able to do that and care to do so, you can go to patreon.com slash lorecast. We have um, tiers ranging anywhere from $5 all the way up to 100 You can get stickers. You can get bonus episodes. You can get early episodes ad-free you can get t-shirts, you can get coffee mugs, all sorts of cool stuff. And all the money goes back into making the show bigger and better. It'll go into um, commissioning art for our magic item of the week book that we are planning on releasing for the DMs Guild. It's uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's humbling to know that there are folks out there that, um, that will you know, spend their, their hard-earned ducats on this little podcast, but, you know, we appreciate every single cent. And if you aren't in a position that you're able to do so, thank you just for listening, you know, uh, leave us some, uh, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or on Apple, uh, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell, um, tell a random person on the street, be like, Hey, you look like you uh, are into Dungeons and Dragons lore. Check out these guys. They're pretty cool. Um, probably don't do that. Probably just don't accost people on the street like that. <laughs> but maybe it's like, uh, there's, I remember like when we went, um, when, uh, just in traveling, uh, I saw people with like D and D lanyard or a D and D shirt, like just recently at, um, at a coffee shop at the airport, um, there's a guy with a D and D lanyard. And so we're able to, we're able to talk about our characters while he was, uh, fixing up my order. So that was cool. But yeah, like I said, the, the opportunities are there. If, if you, uh, if you see fit, we would definitely appreciate it. Um, we, I know we talked about this, uh, at the beginning of the show, but I can't remember if, uh, if we uh, talked about it in previous weeks, but Spelljammer has been officially announced for fifth edition. I am personally super stoked for it. Uh, not, not just because I, I predicted this um, because I, you know, wizard had announced that they were going to bring back two classic campaign settings in th- this year. And I, I just I felt that with its with their focus on the multiverse, Spelljammer had to be a shoe in. Uh, still holding out hope for Dark Sun. Not sure if we're gonna get it, but uh, I am excited for Spelljammer. And so we will obviously be covering that when it comes out. We'll probably be doing a couple episodes beforehand to get you ready. Um, obviously, some of the lore, some of the, uh, the mechanics, obviously, will be different. But hopefully, with the uh, with the episodes leading up to its release you'll uh if you have no experience with the campaign setting you at least you won't be going you won't be you know flying in you know not knowing anything uh and uh let's do our dm uh dm's guild quarter of the week um this one's a little bit of a cheat but 
because it's not actually um, uh, like it's not actually like a third party like you know homebrew stuff. But if you go on DMs Guild, you can actually get PDF copies of Vecna Lives, Vecna Reborn, and Die Vecna Die. And right now they're all on sale, so you can get all three of them for about fifteen bucks. Which, if you are interested in lore like this, or just kind of seeing like how like old D and D books were formatted, how they looked, you know, this is definitely uh, something that you could check out, and I recommend it. And there will be links in the show notes for you to uh, pick those up. And uh, before we get back to the end of the show, we once once again want to let everyone know that we are currently holding a raffle for eight D&D books, the, pretty much the eight uh, rule books for fifth edition. We are holding a raffle for all eight books, the 100% of the proceeds of which will go to the Critical Role Foundation. Um, the books have already been paid for. We, we took care of that. We'll take care of shipping. Um, you can buy uh, one ticket for $4 or two tickets for $10. You um, all the links to the different ways to to buy tickets will be in the show notes. Um, you can buy tickets via PayPal, via Venmo, or Cash App, and we will. Uh, this will be going on through the summer, pretty much. We'll be drawing a winner in August, so definitely um, take a chance to win some awesome books. It's about, I mean, it's eight books, and each book's about you know forty, fifty bucks. So it's easily you know three to $400 worth of, worth of literature. Um, and all the money, like I said, is going to a great cause. So all the links to that are in the show notes again. Um, Sean, you want to add anything to the middle of the show? You've been quiet as uh, a church mouse. <laughs> I, I don't have a whole lot to add to the middle of the show. Just uh, thanks for, for having me here. And thanks to everybody who's listening. Of course, um, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Let's go to the end of the show. Welcome back. We are at the end of the show. Let's talk some Die Vecna Die. Yeah. So this is the end of the Vecna trilogy. And for all intents and purposes, this is also the end of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Because not long after this, uh, Wizards of the Coast released the third edition of D&D. This is... It is not, it's not the... Act like absolute final product that they put out for AD and D, but it's definitely it's like one of the like last two or three. So and it's, it's sort of like um, Raging Bull, which came out in 1980, is sort of the end of that wave of films that starts with Bonnie and Clyde and Easy Rider in 1967, and like it d- kind of defines capstones a generation. Kind of, yeah, pretty much, and like it. And it acts as this sort of um, this epic sort of uh, uh, culmination. Culmination, like it 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 takes Vecna from you know this Greyhawk character out of Ravenloft into Planescape and has ramifications for the entire multiverse. So it's like this big epic in scope, like final adventure for this edition. So when we last left Vecna. He was attempting to escape his domain of dread, his his prison, essentially, because that's 
if you're a dark lord in a, fact now. if you're a dark lord in a, in a in a domain of dread you are a prisoner as well as the ruler uh, but he is nothing if not tenacious his goal of true godhood is too grand to suffer from uh, misty distractions and he has just recently uh, in demigod terms put those distractions behind him so essentially those are the events of the Vecna reborn adventure. So he is able to somehow escape uh, using his demigod status, escape his domain of dread. And now his full concentration is focused on ascension. If Vecna perseveres, you know, the, the multiverse itself may come undone and uh, be destroyed or be remade in Vecna's, in Vecna's vision. So, in Die, Vecna, Die, Vecna is able to sneak his way into Sigil, which is essentially the, the city in the middle of the multiverse. Uh, and this is something that should not be possible because deities and archfiends cannot enter Sigil. Sigil, of course, is ruled by the Lady of Pain. And so what we can figure best is that Vecna found a loophole and that he, was, he wasn't exactly a deity, so he used that technicality to enter the city of doors. And then once inside Sigil, you know, uh, you know, he, then he ascends to Godhood. So he's sort of like this in this like, you know, limbo where he's like, he's kind of a demigod, but he kind of isn't. So he's able to enter Sigil. And then once he's actually in Sigil, that's when he ascends to, to Godhood. And so a deity has now entered Sigil for the first time ever. Oh, Surprisingly, the Lady of Pain, you know, doesn't seem to make uh, a move towards him. However, um, probably because one, he's unable to escape. He's stuck. And, you know, because and so Vecna, you know, can't find a way out. Uh, secondly, he's unable to summon his usual minions to assist him because, you know, once again, uh, the Lady of Pain who rules Sigil, you know, controls all paths in and out. And finally, you know, speaking of the Lady of Pain, you know, she's, she doesn't make an overt move toward, against Vecna, but she is applying this harmful pressure to Vecna while he is in Sigil, because, you know, he's uh, essentially, he's, he's, he shouldn't be there. And so as a result, like he's, she's um, putting this, uh, this harmful pressure on him, this sort of like psychic pressure on him. Um, but, and so he's having to use all of his power to sort of like counteract that. And so this is, this is Vecna's plan. Says the celestial ring buried under Sigil represents a physical manifestation of the multiversal fulcrum. Should anyone control the fulcrum, they in theory would control the multiverse and be able to warp it into their, in their vision. This is Vecna's plan. So a, ma- a majority, so his plan is to control the fulcrum and as a result control the multiverse. And so a majority of Die, Vecna, Die is the storming of Vecna's fortress that he and his cultists, cultists have built in Sigil uh, and, and essentially, you know, stopping him from, from doing this. And so upon completion of the adventure, Vecna is portaled away by a black hole and the Lady of Pain corrects all harm done. Uh, but however, like there, I, did this, I did find out this one cool fact or one cool like idea is that uh, because it was essentially the last like major adventure 
or the, the last adventure for sure published for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons before the release of the third edition. There's some really fun community headcanon that says the differences between the two editions, both in lore and in mechanics, are a direct result of the changes in the multiverse during this adventure. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome, right? That is, that is um, like DC Comics New 52 or, or, you know, their periodic Infinite Crisis or whatever. We're, yeah, level of um, neat um in-universe explanations for uh continuity differences that i love i live for that kind of stuff yeah when i read that i was like that's that's awesome that's fantastic <laughs> and like i said it's it's sort of it's sort of headcanon um but i think it's it's one of those things that like the folks that are working at wizards of the coast now are the people that were playing this back then playing this back in like the the mid to late 90s like those are the people heading up Wizards of the Coast now. And so they're the ones who essentially created this head canon. And so <laughs> while it isn't like probably officially recognized, it's one of those things like, yeah, like if that's, you know, we're, we're not going to tell you that's not what it is. Wink. Wink. Right. So yeah, it's very cool. Um, so that wraps it up for our first half of the, uh, of our, of our two-parter on Vecna next week we will be talking about Vecna as he is portrayed in uh, third and 3.5 editions in fourth edition and fifth edition you know the Vecna the later years um, and then also like I said uh, we we're talking about in uh, the beginning of the show at the top of the show uh, his appearance uh, in Critical Role which um, you know Critical Role has had used the uh, the standard pantheon of gods um, for you know for their own cosmology um however it's uh the fact now that like we said is they are wizards are they're now publishing official uh critical role uh adventures and 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 supplements then uh you know this for all intents and purposes is this vecna that was in the first campaign of critical role is the vecna that we've been talking about all for the past hour so that's very cool but before we leave you, we want to give you a magic item of the week. Uh, Sean and I were brainstorming this before we recorded, and we came up with the Blade of Chance. So the Blade of Chance is a plus one short sword. Um, so it doesn't have any sort of um, distinguishing features. It just looks like your average, you know, plus one short sword. However, once per day or once per, uh, once per long rest, you are able to essentially call a shot. You, uh, whoever you want to attack, you can let your DM know like that you're calling your shot and it is an automatic hit. Not only is it an automatic hit, it's also going to do maximum damage. And so, like I say, you can do that once per long rest. Uh, so use it wisely. However, you know, you're not going to get away. Like you, if, if you've been listening to the show, you know, we like to, um, we like to monkey paw it up. You know, you're not <laughs> just, you're usually not just going to get something cool without some risk. You know, there's, 
without some, there's not going to be, uh, you know, any risk without, you know, with the reward. There's not going to no be free lunches on the D and D lore cast. And so anytime you use your called shot, you have a 10% chance of instead of that damage and in being inflicted on, uh, on your enemy, that damage will be inflicted upon someone your character cares about. It could be a family member back home. It could be one of your party members, but it is up to the DM's discretion who gets this damage inflicted on them. And that's a 10% chance of that happening. Will it, I mean, 10%, you know, on a hundred sided die, that's not too bad. It's not too bad, but it could mean the difference between life and death for someone that you love, someone you care about. So use it wisely. The blade of chance. I like it. Named for a guy named Chance. And we knew a guy named Chance, and he was like that. Sometimes he was great, but every so often, kind of a jerk. 10% of the time, <laughs> he was all your friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I don't, actually, Chance was kind of a jerk. I don't I don't think I like that guy. You know what? Let's take this all back. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, hopefully Aaron will be back next week uh, in, you know, to finish up our Vecna discussion. Uh, we are currently on uh, fandom university is con- currently on summer break. We have uh, taken, we're going to finish up our silent Hill arc and then uh, take a break, complete season one and rest up for season two. Um, but that's pretty much everything I got going on. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got this, keep listening to the show. Sean, what do you, what do you have to plug? You wrote a book. You wrote an actual book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wrote a novel called a cosmology of monsters, which is available from, um, vintage paperbacks. And, uh, you can probably still get the hardcover from Pantheon if you want it. Uh, and I'm in edits on my second novel, the dissonance right now, which I'm hoping will be out in 2023 sometime. So I don't have a date yet, but, uh, as soon as I do, I'll bug Sergio to, <laughs> to bug you guys about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course we'll have links to, uh, to buy Sean's book in the show notes. It's, it's a fantastic book. Stephen King loved it. He did. He gave me a blurb. Stephen nice King, man. Stephen King read it, loved it, and says that you will too. That's actually what the blurb says. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I thank just you. Check the blurb. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just look. Is that what he said? Oh yeah, he did say that. What a nice guy. <laughs> Once again, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. Until then, may all your twenties be natural. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.com.